Hi, my name is Toshendra Sharma. I'm a founder of Vigilant, and I love listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp. And this is a very important episode because if you are changing your life in any way and you're looking for inspiration from someone else who's doing the same, then I suggest that you listen to this episode. And, you know, we have in the past had a lot of different guests on who are starting up startup companies in Silicon Valley or New York, and that there is an alternative for you as well. We as app developers uh, know a lot of different things uh, that, that's highly valuable. And one journey that we're going to be uh, talking about tonight is is a, the journey of uh, teaching, trying to teach and lecture as, as a way of continuing your app journey. So I want to introduce our next guest who's going to talk through his uh, current, current uh, situation as an app developer. His name is Shakruz Ashrov. Uh, Shakruz Ashurov, and he is an app developer. He's been an app developer since 2008, so pretty much when the uh, iPhone first came out. And uh, he's had a really inspiring app journey, and he's recently uh, transi- transitioned over to become uh, a lecturer at a university. So, uh, Shakruz, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Hi, Paul. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, I'm Shakruz Ashurov, and uh, you're listening to the App Guy podcast which I highly enjoy listening to. And <laughs> yes, my life has transition, is in a transition right now, but I would actually love to talk about the, my previous, the period um, since 2008 till 2014 uh, when I was the, an, an entrepreneur and uh, an app developer and uh, a solopreneur. And I enjoyed, I really enjoyed my uh, independent life of being an indie developer and publishing apps and making money off apps. I, I believe that this is something people are looking for and they might be inspired. And um, I could also share wh- why and how you can fail in that business and why I did fail in that business as well. So that could be also. Yeah, we like to be authentic on this show as well. And, uh, you know, we've had many people that have, uh, well, we call it learning experiences, not failures. Uh, so we'd love to hear your learning experience. So talk us through your journey then, Shakruz. Uh, if you could start then uh, with what inspired you to go as a solopreneur into the app world uh, and how did you kick it off with uh, your first app? Mm-hmm. So, well, the the story is that in 2008, uh, we uh, won a, we won a green card lottery and we moved to New York from Tashkent, Uzbekistan. And um, I used to be a web developer, and I had a, I had a team of uh, developers and designers, and we were doing successfully projects, web web projects, and that's what I started doing in New York. But uh, in 2008, uh, the App Store came out, right? And um, I I was really inspired by the ability to sell content on the App Store. I wasn't thinking about apps as a software. I was thinking about pub- selling micro-content like images, uh, music clips, uh, ringtones, stuff like that. Because I, I knew that um, I knew some people who were making really good money in uh, selling that content through SMS. 
with traditional mobile uh, operators. And I saw App Store as an opportunity to sell content. So I started... Um, so I started developing an app, and it just took me like uh, a couple of weeks to make a first dictionary app. And uh, and at that time, I was actually bankrupt because my web development business in New York, um, uh, well, I wasn't really good at making contracts, and I didn't have a contract, and my client didn't pay me for three months of work. So I was ne nearly bankrupt, and I had to do something. So I locked myself in my apartment in Queens, and made the first app, which was a dictionary. And um, that app, uh, the next day I published it on the App Store, made $50, which was amazing. And that was the first time I was making money from something that is not uh, my time. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I got inspired, and that was uh, almost my rent. right? And, <laughs> and, and I locked myself for another two weeks, and I made another app, which was... Um, uh, a kind of reference app about countries. It was called Countries. It was about different countries of the world and uh, flags of those countries, um, uh, capitals, flags, everything you need to know, like the basic information. And um, the reason I made it was um, I wanted to make something simple, something that everyone would want to have on their phone as a reference app, not just to use it every time, but just to have it. And uh, and that app, uh, after two weeks of development by myself, uh, started making two hundred, three hundred dollars a day, which was my salary. <laughs> Again, so I didn't have to get a job. I didn't have to, you know, find new contracts for web development. I knew that okay, that's that's something I can make money off. And I started making more apps and I hired a team in Tashkent. I went back to Tashkent. I, I found some um, good people and I uh, helped them set up a business and I hired them as a team. And uh, and we've made probably over 20 apps. Well, congratulations. I mean, that is, first of all, a very authentic and inspiring story for us to hear. So let me just summarize what I've just learned from you then. So you... Uh, won uh, a, gr a green card to go and uh, work in New York. And so you left Uzbekistan, uh, went over to New York, uh, set up a team of web developers, uh, got yourself into some financial difficulty there and went bankrupt. And then you decided to build your first app uh, out of almost desperation to try and pay the rent. And the first app you won, uh, uh, built, and, and that made you $50, $50 in the first day. And then you built another one called Countries, and that made $300 in a day. And then it was really taking off for you. Uh, and so there's no need for you to be in New York, I guess. Uh, you could go back and hire a team and build out this uh, uh, th this team of app developers and start just putting apps on the App Store. What, what a great journey. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, I actually did went back to Tashkent for three months, but I, I returned to New York, back to New York, and I lived uh, pretty well in New York for uh, four years. And right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, th th so really then, you went back to New York because, uh, I mean, everyone loves New York. Uh, I've lived a little bit in New York, uh, spent a little bit of time there, and, uh, and you were uh, earning enough to have a, a good lifestyle and uh, just have a great time. Yes, I had a lot of good. I had uh, I had my I had an office on Fifth Avenue, right across the Empire State Building. 
I I went to every conference possible. I went to WWDC three times. I saw Steve Jobs alive, um, and <laughs> I so I, I did enjoy the independent lifestyle thanks to apps and thanks to App Store. So you're you're pretty much talking now through a journey that most people would be uh, really envious of because it really is from bankruptcy and a, a really you know, I guess a, a poor position, and 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 then uh, all the way through to having uh, this this great success. It was uh, it was really good, and uh, I was lucky. I would say I was lucky because I I found a niche that wasn't filled in those days, and uh, the app store was pretty young, and it was easy. I would say, <laughs> and uh, it stopped working in uh, in probably three four years because you cannot pursue the same strategy all the time and uh, the reason the re- well and I was um, I, I was trying to do a lot of things at the same time I lost my focus because I was thinking like oh if this is so easy I can do more and I was trying to do too much and I lost my focus and I was doing too many apps at the same time. Uh, the team grew too rapidly. I had over 10 developers and uh, I couldn't control them, all of them. And uh, I was trying to make, uh, and then I was uh, I was inspired to, to go into games because I was thinking, oh, games make even more money. So why not to try games? And I was investing everything I had into making games. Okay, so, <laughs> so really then to learn from your journey, what would have been better would have been to not hire a big team, but keep it really small, stay focused, and uh, and and really, yeah, just uh, focus on a, a smaller number of apps and, and not get too distracted. And and that is a massive lesson. We've had that time and time again on this show, where we're learning that it's so tempting to just try uh, and, and follow the, you know, where the money you think the money is and. Uh, and grow too quickly and and that's obviously a very big lesson for for you and i and everyone learning from this yes that's right that's it that's what i would recommend everyone to think about and i would say that not only um do what you love i love doing apps but also love what you do uh because what i was doing uh, i was doing little apps small apps simple apps and i did not love them and uh they, they they made money and I was, you know, the ego was growing too fast and I wanted to do something big. I wanted to do something that makes millions of dollars, you know, and uh, that's not right. That's not loving what you do. So that was a big lesson for me. Well, this is such a powerful message and I just want to take time to pause uh, and reflect to, to everyone listening to this right now because so many of us get lured into this app world because of the the news that we read about all these different apps being taken over um, bought out making the uh, app developers uh, very rich uh, millionaires sometimes billionaires and i have many conversations with the apps to try where you know they just say hey, i've got this app idea and i'm, I'm going to be an overnight success mm-hmm. and uh, you obviously went for the big big time which is understandable. I mean, why not? And uh, if you had your chance to do it all over again, then you perhaps would have um, been more focused as we've spoken about and uh, not hired as many people and, and burned as much cash and, reinve- and reinvested in, 
in, in more wisely. But uh, I guess because you've seen this this app store work so successfully, that it, it must be really tempting to just leverage up and and invest more and, and try and uh, go for the big time. Yes. Yes. Can I can I ask um you know your apps at the um the ones that were successful at the start 2008 are they still uh, earning you money? Well they do. Yes, they do bring a little bit of money that uh I used to help my wife and kids. They're still in Los Angeles and I'm in Tarkin. And um and that's a, that's pretty interesting because uh some of my apps I have not updated for about 3 years and they still make money. Not that much, but that pays half of the rent. <laughs> right. Well, you know, again, we have to think about this because one of the reasons I was uh, attracted to the internet, uh, but back in 2008, roughly, uh, is that that there was this concept where you spend one hour uh, doing some work and then it pays you passively uh, for, forever, pretty much, you know, for, for at least the next 10 years. And... Uh, I found it very hard to kind of find a model that would do that. But apps, you know, we all get very excited about the launch and the first week and how many installs, how many paid apps we sold. And we we forget that it's evergreen content and you can get away without updating them. And and like, as you say, you, you're still earning with, without doing any effort on those apps. What do you say, two weeks to build those initially? And they're, yes. they're still earning well, you money. Uh, well, I did update them. I did put more time and money into those apps, and um, but but the as you said, the content in those apps is evergreen because uh, those apps are about classic art, classic masterpieces by Van Gogh, <laughs> Monet. <laughs> they never they're never gonna change. <laughs> so and that was my thinking those days. Like, hey, I have to put something that I don't don't have to change or update frequently. So I did. I went for art, classic art, and I went for um, geographical content like countries. I and I did jigsaw puzzles, you know, the classic jigsaw puzzle game, which is also evergreen. Well, there's another classic uh, lesson that you're teaching us right now, which uh, many of us, you know, do perhaps forget that we build these things that uh, do expire. And, and that's because technology moves on. And, and so if we're, for example, uh, I'm sure like my podcast will soon uh, fade away because uh, it's all about apps and they'll be the next big thing, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, that, what a great lesson to focus on things that are evergreen content. Yes, and that's uh, all of that content is public domain content, which is another thing I discovered in New York. When I wanted to put put out any content, and I was researching, so what can I pu- publish, and uh, without contracting with anyone, because I was pretty green in New York, I didn't know anybody, I didn't have any lawyers or money to invest, so I went for public content, pu- public domain content, and which is which is still a big and it's, it's always going to be big uh, area for research and discovery uh, for anyone who wants to go solopreneur and who wants to publish something without investing a lot of money. There is there is always public domain or t- nowadays uh, there is also Creative Commons licensed content that you can uh, say um, publish, wrap it up in a better, you know, 
wrap it up as a as as an application or modify or improve or collect and republish it and that's that's something people would pay for not much it's going to be another dollar or a couple of dollars it's micropayment microproduct but it is still going to make you money if you do it right so i'm just thinking through like your journey and effectively at the start you said that you uh, took in- inspiration from these uh, companies and, and individuals that were making money from SMS by through through content uh, distribution uh, via SMS, and then this new technology came along, basically the App Store and uh, smartphones, and that changed the game. And you got in there early when there was uh, lower competition, and it was an easier game to play. We- we've sort of missed the boat a little bit on that because there was now ten million app developers on the uh, Apple. And I'm sure the similar amount on uh, Android, and so it's a highly competitive competitive market. It's a different game now, but yes. I'm also thinking. Well, at some point, technology does move on, and could we, you know, look to the next, uh, the next boom, the next app boom, and take the idea of you know maybe what's working currently with apps, and then put that into the what, what's. Do you have any uh, ideas and thoughts on the next uh, app boom? Yes, yes, I actually do, and uh, and uh, well, what I believe is that the next, uh, well, what I believe is that we're actually at the beginning of the app of software uh, industry. Uh, well, we we think that the app is the the apps, the mobile apps we have, uh, the desktop apps we have, or web apps we have are pretty good. No, this is just the beginning, you know. Um, Software world software is going to improve significantly over the next ten years, and we're in the infant, you know, we're in the baby phase right now. But so what I see for the next boom is the development of head-mounted displays. You've probably heard the Oculus Rift and um, Samsung Gear. What What about the Google Cardboard Box? And the Google Cardboard Box, <laughs> yes, all of them, all of them. So the, the idea is that we're used to have a small window into the virtual reality, into the other world, into the digital world, right? Either that's a phone or your uh, laptop screen or a desktop screen. Whatever it is, it's just a limited uh, material window into the other world. And our brain treats that as a window and it doesn't believe that you're in there it, it it knows that that is that is something that is separating you from the virtual world but when you put something on your head and it becomes part of your body and it actually closes all your visual input into your body and into your brain and you look at it and you don't see anything else than that your brain is actually at that moment is connected to the computer and that means we are programming the brain we're not just creating a window into the other world we are translating the image into the brain and it will change the way we will communicate with computers it will change the way we will program and we will make applications and it still does look a little bit childish and, and you know like gave, like something to play games with today but i feel like in the next 3 may, probably even earlier 1 2 years we will see a boom of new types of applications 
and those will be virtual reality applications and those will be in the form of mobile applications because we have mobile vr and we have desktop vr we have both worlds and um, i i just i just got my uh, oculus rift dk2 yesterday and it's a much better quality and i was watching a movie in the dk2 uh like i'm in a cinema in my house so i don't have a big tv screen here in tashkent and uh but I don't need it now because I can put on my Oculus Rift and I can watch a movie like an, I'm no, I'm getting very jealous now. <laughs> I want to come <laughs> over and try that. I've been desperately wanting to try the Oculus Rift. And uh, I, I watch uh, YouTube uh, channels like PewDiePie where he's playing uh, some pretty intense games. And it, it really is an Im- immersive experience. And, of course, watching films, I can imagine that would change. You know, it would uh, uh, be... Uh, all all encompassing and engrossing and uh, uh it's just so much stuff uh, so how can we best uh, uh how can we I, I guess capitalize on this uh, uh boom in uh, virtual reality well the fastest way i see for myself and i, I want to share that with you with listeners is to create content again again why content uh, let me explain that why content uh because when you make an application and it's a utility application. Uh, you, you work on it for a couple of months, you polish it, you create some new type of interface, and and you're proud of it. But, you know, believe me, in, in a couple of weeks after it becomes successful, someone in Pakistan or India or China will clone it. Cloning application, cloning software is easy because they steal your, your interface. They will steal your... Uh, idea and design and they will just clone it but if you have any type of content that is unique or copyrighted even if it used to be public domain content but you recreate it you rewrapped it you modified it so you can copyright it so they can't take that they can't take the content they can take the interface but they cannot take the content so that's why I concentrate on content so I have uh, evergreen or longer lasting applications and I don't have to update them frequently and nobody can well it's 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 more complicated to steal that and copy that yeah I'm a big content creator as well we're doing this daily podcast show so I uh, really resonate in what you're saying and let, let me finish my idea uh, until I have it uh, uh, I, I suggest that you can do content for the virtual reality in the form of virtual tours. That's, that's an idea that anyone can, I think, leverage. Because uh, creating 360 uh, panoramic videos with um, narration, with music, with something interesting, concerts, uh, you know, London, wa- walking in through, the Lon- through London, you know, uh, traveling in in the uk traveling traveling anywhere so virtual traveling and uh, virtual content uh, 360 videos would be the first thing i would try to monetize with virtual reality with head-mounted displays well um you know this is a real reward for anyone who's been uh, listening to this show now for some time uh, because uh, very recently we had a guest on he was talking about his uh, image recognition software and I can imagine, like, you could incorporate that technology with a headset display and, and, and have a real minority report type experience where 
you are looking around a virtual world and having uh, all, all this, all these images recognized and an information being displayed about them in your headset. Yes, yes, you can. I've actually experimented with that. I've used uh, Vuforia SDK, and we had pretty fun app that we made uh, with that. But uh, that's a technology thing. It's not uh, not everyone can do that. But creating a 360 video panoramic panoramic videos with your own uh, narration is something that non-developer can do. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about this because uh, we've got, I guess, 10 minutes left and I know that people will be really getting excited about the potential for doing something. Let's take Oculus Rift because we know Facebook have bought them out. They're going to be, I'm sure, big and uh, household products pretty soon. So how can we get started with developing for Oculus Rift? Try to get a 360 video camera, record something and uh, create a product out of it. That's what I would do. That's what I'm doing right now, actually. I, All right, okay. <laughs> okay, so a 360 camera, and uh, I've actually never heard of those. Uh, I didn't realize they existed. And uh, they don't. They don't. They uh, there are a few projects on Kickstarter, and I'm waiting. I'm anxiously waiting for them to come out with real products. But I have combined six GoPro cameras together to make panoramic videos. Right. Okay. So you, you're doing a DIY job for this uh, 360 camera from GoPro cameras and filming. Uh, that, that's amazing. So you're taking that content then and uh, how are you, uh, is it an open platform to program for uh, the Oculus Rift? Yes, it's actually pretty open. You can use Unity 3D which is a great platform for developing uh, for virtual reality and for mobile apps, actually. And it's free, by the way. And uh, so Unity 3D with uh, Oculus SDK, which is also open and free, and that will give you the programming platform for, for the virtual reality. And it's not really hard to develop for Oculus. Yeah, do you need a, could you do a simulator like the uh, Xcode has the iOS simulator, or do you need to actually buy an Oculus Rift? You need an Oculus Rift, yeah, you do, you really do. Or you can use your phone, and you can use the, uh, you, you know, the mobile SDK. Right. And where did you get your Oculus Rift from? Because I've actually not been shopping for them. I, I, I don't know where to start. I'm guessing Amazon. Well, I, I lived one hour from Oculus headquarters in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> so you popped over the back fence, did you, and just helped yourself? I, I, I just I just looked it up on Craigslist, and I bought it from a guy who lives actually in Irvine, which is the place Oculus Rift is based in. And uh, I just drove back there and just paid 400 bucks cash and got my first Oculus Rift. And the second one I actually ordered on on online from Oculus, from the company, and I got it pretty pretty quickly i i ordered it in june and i got it uh two weeks ago in new york and then i had it delivered to tashkent well there we go i'm sure we'll be buying oculus rifts i'm very very tempted i'm gonna have to uh try and convince my wife that it's uh, for research purposes only <laughs> and she yeah. she saw how um, obsessed i used to get with my xbox uh, 360 when that came out so uh, uh, uh this is amazing i mean you know it it's really interesting talking to you um, because we're obviously a, you know been heavily focused on mobile apps, but you're taking this to the next level now because just the thought of what 
the possibilities are for 360 video, for you know, an all-encompassing head display. And I remember back in uh, the late 80s, early 90s, uh, that virtual reality was uh, a big kind of buzzword back then. Uh, and nothing ever happened about it. You know, it never went. There was some movies that came out. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of books being written about virtual reality. And uh, a lot of the, 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 the projects back then were very tame, a little bit like uh, mobile apps and augmented reality at the moment, where it's just... So it's just not there with the technology, but now I guess the technology has has uh, really caught up, and uh, there there could be this big next wave of virtual reality. Yeah, I, I didn't believe it myself at first until Facebook bought Oculus for two billion dollars, and and then then I I just told myself I have to try this, and then when I put when I put it on, I said okay, now it's working, now it's the time, and uh, it's still early, and you know it it. It does resembles to 2008 when I was telling everyone, "Hey, mobile apps are gonna be huge." In, in you know, in July, in August 2008, uh, in June 2008, I was in New York. I was meeting with investors. I was showing them my native apps made not with the official SDK, but with uh, you know the open chain SDK, which was the jailbreak something thing and uh, nobody wanted to invest into mobile apps uh, they're all Do kicking you... themselves now i'm sure <laughs> but but and i was telling my friend hey just, just give me ten thousand dollars that's all i need to start this business and he was no no web development websites let's do websites no let's do mobile apps <laughs> so that's that's what i'm telling everyone these days uh, you know the head mounted displays virtual reality is the next big thing and that's what i'm investing into because i'm a small guy i don't have marketing budgets and that means i cannot succeed in 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 app store on the app store these days on the english speaking app store and um and I want to start, you know, I want to use that model of starting early on a new market with my content-based apps. Now, keeping my focus right. <laughs> and loving what I do. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, just get back on the app business with virtual reality apps. And and so, uh, do you, are you able to um, just talk for a minute or two about you, what, what you're actually working on there with uh, your projects for Oculus Rift? Uh, well, virtual you know, virtual traveling. I, I wanted to uh, create products about the, the country I live in. Uzbekistan is, is a great country. It's beautiful. There is a lot of things to shoot and to film and create, you know, 360 type of content just to let people discover the country, not just by traveling here, but, but putting on their Oculus Rift and just being virtually here. Okay, so to help you out with this project, all we need to do is buy six uh, GoPro cameras, tape them all together in a 360 type uh, uh, style, and then go around our local towns and cities. I could go to London and start yes. filming some of the, the big mar- uh, monuments and uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the places to go and typically visit. And then we could feed all that to you. Uh, I'm not sure how the file, what sort of file you need to capture to get the 360. I'm guessing that you stitched together all the different yes. uh, video files to make the 360. And then we, we work with you to incorporate that into your content. And, well, I, uh, your I, app. I can just tell you how to monetize it yourself. You don't have to give it to me. I, I, I strongly believe that uh, the virtual travel is good for the earth because you don't have to spend fuel and you don't have to fly here. 
and that's that's good for the uh, environment. I I want to I want to be able to travel the world without leaving my room. Well, you see, I have to confess, and and this is uh, the, the is it really is the truth here. And I, I, it must have been back in two thousand and seven, I think it was maybe even earlier. Uh, I I was going for a run. I used to have a place in France in the Alps, a little. Uh, apartment uh, where I used to go snowboarding and uh, I sometimes went through the summer and I was going for a run and it was the most beautiful scenery I ever imagined and I said to my wife back then I desperately want to develop this idea where I can share this experience with other people around Mm -hmm. the world and maybe that's you know a, a headset or I was just convinced that that, that there was something there. And then this app came on the iPad uh, about four or five years later. And I said, that's my idea. I remember thinking about that. It was called uh, virtual uh, virtual fitness or some, some kind of fitness app where they went for a run around some of the big, uh, beautiful places around America, the uh, Grand Canyon, uh, around Los Angeles. And you could then just go for a, like a run on your uh, treadmill uh, in your mm-hmm. gym and put the iPad on it. And then you could go, and uh, experience the run and it was you know I, I loved that app as well because it just mm-hmm. it it got me to escape into some other part of the world instantaneously from the gym my local gym now imagine that just one step further and um, hopefully they'll make some kind of fitness oculus rift you know so it's not so bulky and heavy but you could, ah, you could yes. run with it you know or you could just go for an explore and you don't have to leave your, I mean that t- to me uh is it is amazing and and I do have to try, try and think back to the guest that recently was on, uh, Dave Swartz, who's the founder of uh, co-founder of uh, Hangwith, and uh, he's got one million active users. And what they're doing is tapping into other people's lives instantly on uh, their iPhones by streaming their lives. And it seems the natural progression. He's doing a lot of stuff with Google Glass. It mm-hmm. just seems to be the natural progression of virtual reality and uh, Oculus Rift and all these headsets. Yeah, well, well I believe that with head-mounted displays, once they progress and once the uh, once they improve, we will have we will just see teleportation and time travel. And uh, well, when I say time travel, I mean you can travel, you can record, you can save that moment, you can save those fifteen minutes of that beautiful scenery that you're observing, and you can save that for your children your grandchildren, so they can come back in time, they can experience that moment from the future. Absolutely. To back. So that's time travel and that's teleportation. Yeah, I mean, I'm in, in a funny sort of way, I'm using the app Time Hop uh, every day and it comes out with some, email, uh, some photos of five, ten years ago when I was starting to post on Facebook. So, uh, yeah, I can see that. That that is a way of uh, t- teleportation would be lovely. I must admit, I uh, would like. Uh, I've always dreamed of waking up at home, putting on my ski gear, and my wife going, "What on earth? It's 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 a beautiful day outside. Why are you dressing up in all this uh, s- snowboarding gear?" And I, I then walk into a teleportation device and out onto the top of a, a mountain. <laughs> well, you don't have to be physically there, but what if there is a camera that's recording that live, three sixty, and you can see everything, but you don't have to touch or smell things there, right? So if you see things and if you feel, your body feels that you are present there, that's enough. I'm convinced. I really am. This is the future. You've totally and utterly uh, convinced me that this is the path we're on. And 
at the moment that you are, it does feel quite old-fashioned the way we, we virtually connect around the world. Here we are uh, on Skype just doing an audio call, um, but it would be nice to have, um, you know, a 360 uh, interaction somehow uh, with a virtual headset. So, I'm excited to see all that happening. And I'm, I'm happy that I'm leaving right this time. Shakriz, <laughs> <And laughs> you got us so excited. I ended up... Um, uh, losing track of time here and I could talk to you for hours we're going to have to get you back on and uh, I've really enjoyed uh, chatting with you uh, we've obviously come up with a lot of ideas here uh, what's the best way of reaching out and connecting with you Skype you already got me yeah so if I can give that out on the show notes as well so for anyone interested uh, in, in connecting with you Shakruz uh, just go to the App Guide podcast and search for episode 158 158 uh, which will be uh, there'll, there'll be a link to your Skype and how we can connect with you. And uh, I just wanted to thank you for sharing this wonderful journey. And uh, unless you have any other parting thoughts, we'll, we'll say goodbye. Thank you, Paul. I was really excited. I'm really honored to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.